You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, good morning, sports fans. Mike Candolfo here on a uh, beautiful 4th of July holiday weekend. I am in the uh, 1450 The Sports Buzz studio here. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Right now it's just me and my, uh, my show producer, Matt, but we're waiting on JT. He should be here soon. And uh, we got all kinds of things to talk about as we celebrate a, a great Fourth of July weekend. Um, it, it was a whole lot of fun for for my family. I know celebrating yesterday, just an unbelievably gorgeous day. I, I can't I can't ever imagine having the weather cooperate as much as it did yesterday in the Fourth of July. Especially it was the polar opposite for what it was last year when we had. Uh, we always have a huge Fourth of July party, and we had everyone crammed in our house last year with the pouring down rain. Um, so it was a nice change of pace to be outside in the low 80s and low humidity and enjoy the uh, the beautiful day, and I hope you had a fun and safe 4th of July. Uh, it felt like in my neighborhood we were under attack. Man, there was some heavier artillery shells going off with uh, some pretty big explosions. Uh, and it, just, it always makes me think about what it would have been like to live in, you know, uh, in London in, in 1940 with all the airstrikes and all that kind of stuff and uh, know that what we were going through last night as far as noise and explosions was nothing compared to what those people went through. Uh, it could have been very scary if, 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 if uh, those artillery shells were being dropped from a plane. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the, um, the sports world's going on right now. We're, we're, Hot and heavy into Wimbledon, if, you, if you're into that. We are on the cusp of the British Open. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting to see Tiger Woods making his comeback last weekend, now aiming uh, to return to the British Open. And uh, that's got to be tough on a guy with a bad back. And to see if he can actually, not only, you know, those British courses tend to be very hard on players with bad backs because if you if you miss the fairway which tiger tends to do and you're in that long rough it takes a lot of strength and uh it can wrench your back trying to shoot things out of the out of the rough and then uh and then not only that but you got a long flight and i can't imagine being on a airplane you know across the ocean that long with the bad back and we're gonna have to see how tiger comes out of that i, I still think it's probably 50 50 whether or not tiger woods plays in the pga championship i know he i know he says he wants to um, but he's going to have to prove that he can compete. I don't think he shows up at the PGA Championship here in Valhalla unless he can compete to win it, and uh, he's he's a little bit away from that. So it'll be interesting to see, again, whether or not Tiger does compete in the British, how he does, if he shows some promise like he, like he um, has indicated that he might. He felt good. after, Even though he missed the cut in his tournament last week, he felt good that he was going to be able to – to make the strides he need to do to compete in the British Open. If he misses the cut in the British Open, I, I just think they go back, they kind of hang it up for a little bit and try to get things right with him to compete for, for next year. I just don't see him coming to play in the PGA Championship. So uh, the other things we got going on right now, I, I, would, I, was, I was out last week, didn't get to talk to anybody about the NBA draft. We'd love to talk about some NBA drafts and basketball the uh, the 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 number here to get on the show is three eight four fourteen fifty, and we would uh, love to and encourage to have any kind of phone calls as JT comes strolling in, and then we're uh, going to talk a little bit about, of course, World Cup madness and all the soccer 
that went on here um, late, uh, recently. The big party down 4th Street Live Tuesday with the um, with with the ACC announcement for U of L. All that kind of stuff went on. And um, anyway, so JT, JT's got to fix his headphones and put his microphone the right way. There we go. Hold on for a second. Morning, JT. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. So, did you get all cut up in World Cup fever? Um, sort of. Sort of. I not really a soccer fan, but if the U.S. are playing, I'll watch it. And you know what? That's a really good point because they're you know the World Cup on Tuesday when they play Belgium got a really good TV rating. Uh, outdrew any sporting event ESPN's ever had on ESPN besides a pro football game. Mm. And uh, the thing that I find, though, is that just because there's interest in the World Cup doesn't mean there's necessarily interest in soccer. Right, absolutely. I mean, it happens once every four years, so you're going to get a little bit more. You're going to get the casual fan involved, too. It's like the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch the Olympics or, you know, something that happens every now and again. If soccer was on every day, I wouldn't watch it. Well, I mean, it is on every day. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> and we don't I know. Watch I'm it. saying that, yeah, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I do what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I mean, that's the same thing with the Olympics and whether it be track and field or figure skating or whatever else. You know, we get all uh, we get all wrapped up in watching American gymnastics, <laughs> you know, once every four years. Yeah. And then, uh, and for some, a lot of people, that's their favorite part of the Olympics, but it might as well not even exist outside of that. And, right. Um, and I, I don't think soccer's to that point. I mean, I think there is more interest in soccer than there and is. And I think there's getting to be more interest because, you know, U.S. soccer, the pro level, like, uh, you know, sporting KC and whatever, and you, Louisville might be getting a professional soccer team. I think it's growing a little bit, but it's not growing in the way some people would like it to grow. Well, and that's, and that's kind of the argument here because I'm a little harsh, I guess. I'm, I, I guess I'm cynical when it comes to – where soccer is in the United States, okay? We just lost to a country of 11 million people. We have almost 25 million males between the ages of 20 and 30 <laughs> that could possibly <laughs> go on this team. So we have more than twice as many the number of males that would be of prime age to compete in the World Cup than the entire population of this country. And we can't find... 25 guys to put on a team that can beat these Belgians. And and if you ask me, I mean, I watched the game Tuesday. Did you watch the game Tuesday? I uh, caught a little bit of it. I It was 2-1 in overtime is what the right. – But Belgium destroyed us. I mean, it, they controlled every aspect of the game the entire, yeah. the entire the, time. The only superstar we really have is the goalie. It's Tim Howard. Our strikers are – Clint Dempsey's okay, but I mean, like – Almost every single one of our players are outclassed except for our goalie who kept us in every game. That's the only reason why we were so close. I watched the German game and we looked so lethargic out there. I mean, we looked like LeBron James playing basketball in the NBA Finals. Well, so. and I think a lot of that is not having Josie Altidore. That's uh, true. I think that really hurt the U.S. side and not having the depth. But again, if you have that many males, and right. I know they got to compete with baseball. Basketball, and I know they got to compete with baseball, basketball and football. But if you got that many guys, you should be able to find twenty-five guys that can compete on the world stage in soccer. You think you you would think so, but again, we're, we we it's it's even worse in rugby. Would rugby's the same thing every four years, and we get destroyed much worse in rugby. But 
Uh, I think that's because soccer is gaining a little bit more popularity. But still, I mean, people don't want to play. You're not going to find – I mean, if you don't get enough people to play, you're not going to get those superstars. In Belgium, every kid is dreaming to play soccer. But there's a difference. And, you know, we, we say that, right? But every kid in the United States, what's the first sport they start off playing? <laughs> almost, huh? Soccer or baseball. Yeah, almost all of them start off playing t-ball, or, and they almost all play soccer. Yeah. And I would actually say probably more kids play soccer – first and they play t-ball but it's somewhere down the road they make the choice right to leave soccer for another sport or to you know for whatever reason they they get away from soccer and we're not but it, you would even think with that you'd have enough we'd have enough people love soccer play all the way through high school well actually go and play club i guess that's what it has to happen right. for that for the for the success rate and it doesn't even seem like our kids are developing the way they need to develop to get to that point and i don't know you know here's how i look at it we are a mid-major program to put it to to put some sort of correlation between um college sports which we all know so well and this world cup stage we are a mid-major program when it comes to soccer no depending no matter how big of a country we are we're a mid-major program no doubt about it and if we were could you imagine, I guess, if our national basketball team had a foreign guy coaching our our national team? I, I think people would be very upset with that. It would be ridiculous. It would be absolutely ridiculous. And I think that that is not – I think that – what's his name? Jorgen Klinsmann or who He's was a great incredible coach. player. Unreal coach. Unbelievable coach. But the fact that we have to leave the country to go find someone to run our national soccer program, to me, is a little disheartening. And then we actually we have players on the team. Like technically, I qualified to play for Italy if I wanted to because my grandparents were actually born in Italy. Oh wow! They really it's that lenient as far as oh uh, yeah oh yeah. My brother actually thought looked into maybe playing on their national lacrosse team. Okay, maybe I could play for Ireland or something. You know. Yeah, well, it depends on I guess how far removed. <laughs> right now, I, I know, I know I that we would kidding, be eligible, but... and so we actually you know we got guys that are playing on the United States team and playing major roles like the Jones guy, mm-hmm. the midfielder, I think he's a midfielder, that would qualify to play for another country, like Germany, because that's where he's from. Right. But because he has a much better chance of making the U.S. team, he chooses to play for the U.S. Right. So we're basically, if he had a chance of making the German team, he would have played for, he'd play for Germany. You know? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, why would you not play for the – He mean, wants you know, the best chance to make the World Cup. Right. And that's one of our key players. I mean, that just shows that we got – We're behind, yeah. Exactly. Just like in basketball recruiting, you know, if some guy – Kentucky gets the best players, Duke gets the best players. Exactly. Actually. And if you and were – And Louisville gets the decent players. And the United States is kind of like the – I don't want to put down a local program. And this is not <laughs> they're, a, they're this a good is team, a I'm just program. saying. They're kind of like the Western Kentucky – Okay. A soccer. That's right. Fair. They're a, okay. a fair program, a good program, but they're not to the level, right? They're not. Right. They're they're gonna get to the Sweet Sixteen every every, every now, now and, and then. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. I mean, we've never gotten past the Sweet Sixteen. That I I, uh, I think in like the history of all maybe world once. soccer, we've gotten we've actually had third place once in the World Cup. Really? Wow. Okay. But that was like was uh, that with like Pele or something when he came uh, over? I, no. I mean, I think that was. I mean, that was like. A long time ago, a long, long time ago. I, okay, I wouldn't even know 
I have to look well, I mean, they were talking about how great it is. We went to two Sweet Sixteens in a row. I mean, that's for U.S. That's it. if they said that about the Olympics, I would be embarrassed. You know, we 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 didn't get a medal, but hey, we got sixteenth place. That's great, guys. All right, I just I just don't really get it. I mean, I I I understand I I understand the 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 fan involvement, which I thought was awesome, and I think a lot of it was helped out uh, this year because it was on a. On a it was on a time zone that was agreeable. You know, they weren't yeah. playing in Japan where you had to wake up at four o'clock in the morning yeah. and watch games. I'm not waking up at four o'clock in the morning to watch a soccer game. <laughs> to be fair, I think I did. What was it? Eight years ago, when they were maybe in the, in Asia, and and I and I think I did wake up early and watch some of it just because, you know, you know, you have some national pride. Yeah, and I did, and I wanted to see them do well, and I and I watched that Portugal game when yeah. Ronaldo put that pass. To the guy that tied it in the in the very last seconds, and you know, I I was cheering like no other, and yeah. so this is not uh, anti patriot, but this is just a reality check of where we are in soccer. Absolutely, and until uh, more people are interested in playing soccer as a career, we're not going to get better. I mean, maybe a little bit by little bit, but in order to it not to get higher than the Sweet 16, which apparently is a record now that we've gone there twice in a row, never done before. We need to do better than that. Well, and so we're going to actually have uh, the head soccer coach from Jeffersonville High School, Carson Webb. He's going to call in the next segment, and we're going to talk a little bit more about where we are with soccer as far as the country goes. And, you know, is it really getting better? You know, is it really – are we making the strides we need to make to become competitive in this sport – that quite honestly, we have enough kids that play it. We we should be able to compete at a much higher level. We should. There's be able something to. broken at the youth soccer level. Is what I guess I'm, is what I'm getting at. Right. That we're not developing players that can compete at this world level. And, and you made level. an excellent point with a coach. If we're having to recruit foreign coaches, I mean, surely there's a good coach at like uh, you know the professional level here from Sporting KC or Washington or Seattle but or one of like, these soccer. That's teams. like a Triple A baseball team. I mean, those the major league soccer is like AAA in soccer. But eventually, they got to get somebody's got to get promoted from AAA. I mean, it happens all the time. I know, but what I'm baseball. trying to say is like we need to, our soccer here local nationally. Our league here nationally needs to be where we don't want to have the Tim Howards of the world leaving the MLS and going to play in the Premier League. Right. I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's like we'd have nothing to compete with the Premier League or. You know where uh, where Barcelona plays. I don't even know what the name of that league is, or the Italian league. Right. I mean, we have nothing like that. No. I mean, MLS is nice. It's a nice league. Yeah. Okay. I, I've never it's like been the, to an It's MLS like going game. to a Bats game. I would assume. Have you ever been to an MLS game? I have not. Would I have. You? I have. I. I would go maybe just to see. I know that uh, I watched part of the Sporting KC. They won last year. They won the uh, whatever they call the championship in soccer or whatever yeah. it is. And I know a lot of people in Kansas were excited. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. You know, I watched part of it. It was a pretty fun game. But, I mean, unless it's, like, at a really high level, I have a hard time watching soccer. So, I don't know. And there you go. And I think that's the most the, – the attitude of most Americans. I mean, I think that's the – and that's, like, the the World Cup stuff I had on. But I'm not glued to the TV. I'm, yeah. It's kind of on in the background while I'm doing some other stuff. Yeah. And maybe, you know, the last five minutes, if it's close or if we're in extra time or whatever. Yeah, then I'll be. get excited. I, I remember when uh, Donovan was playing, it used to be a little bit more exciting because he was such a good player. Uh, he would score so many goals. I was a little bit excited watching him. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think any any of the players uh, have kind of that same 
you got to have somebody on the team that you want to watch. That's what sports is about, too. Well, I'm guessing that was Tim Howard. In this Tim game. Howard was somebody you want to watch, but you don't see him at a consistent – I mean, you see him when somebody shoots, but you want to watch an offensive player, too. You don't want to just be pure defense. But So we're going to uh, – actually, third third place is what the best World Cup ever okay. for 1930. So, 1930? 1930. Wow. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll come back. Carson Webb's going to join us on the other side of the break. And we will be right back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back, sports fans. Mike Indoffel here with uh, JT, and we are talking sports on a beautiful Saturday morning here in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, this is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. If you are so inclined and you want to listen to a replay of this show, you make sure you go to LiveSportsCaster.com. You can get great podcasts of the program, and you can even start your very own, your very own podcast right that's, there. That's right. Hey, you know, I was I couldn't remember what to tell. Someone asked me, they're like, "Yeah, I really want to listen to your show." And I was like, one of your shows. I was like, "Oh boy, okay, what is it?" And I forgot what the website was to go to. LiveSportsCaster.com is the one to go to. Make sure you check it out. If you want to join the conversation, make sure you give us a call three eight four fourteen fifty. We'd love to talk sports with you today. And we're going to go right there to the phone lines, and we've got my man Carson on the line, the head coach of the Jeffersonville Red Devils men's soccer team. Hey, buddy. How was Florida? Carson? Hey, it was great. I'm on the way back now. All right. He's on his way back from vacation, taking time to join us. And uh, you get all? I'm, I'm sure as a, as a soccer guy you get pretty caught up in the World Cup fever that we uh, that we had going on here. Oh, absolutely. And I was listening to you earlier, uh, last five minutes or so of the last segment. So I caught some of what you guys were talking about. And, um, and where do you, where do you stand on that stuff? I mean, let's, let's just get right into it. I mean, where are we as a nation as far as when it comes to soccer and the development of actually becoming a legitimate world power? We're, we're not there. We're not even close. Um, and, and I don't mean that as a blast to, to the United States as but you know, if you listen to or look at look at what Germany like, I think Germany's the best team in the world right now. Look at look at them. What do they what do they have for sports in Germany that they really focus on? Soccer. It's, Where do our best best athletes go? Baseball, basketball, football. You know, it, I don't I don't know how many kids that were developed as that, that played soccer growing up and were really good, and then twelve years old they take basketball. And, you know, imagine if we had the best athletes of the United States that stuck with soccer the entire time. And what, what, what would we look like there? But don't we – now, my argument against that is, is, again, is the numbers game. And I don't know if you caught this part of the first segment or not. You know, Belgium, for example, I, 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 did you watch the Belgian game? Did you have a chance? I know you were on vacation. Yeah, I watched it. I, I felt like – and I'm not a soccer guy, but I felt like we got – absolutely manhandled by those guys and they just couldn't score because Tim Howard put together just we we got, an unbelievable performance. We got manhandled by 
we got we got manhandled by Belgium, we got manhandled by Germany, and we got manhandled by Ghana. I thought we beat Portugal. Belgium is we a country. Bel- Belgium is a country of eleven million people. Okay, we have right. twenty five million men between the ages of twenty and thirty, and we can't put together right. even with knowing that a lot of those other guys can go play other sports. You would still think that just from the pure numbers that we'd be able to put together a soccer team that'd be competitive. Well, and, and you're right uh, as far as development. Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's that we have bad coaches. Um, there, there's a lot of people that would say that high school soccer is bad for. I've heard that argument a lot that high school soccer is bad for development because. You know, like in Louisville, uh, I've been coaching club for a long time. We got like nine clubs in Louisville. That's too many. That is a, that, that was a, talent all over. That is exactly right. That's one of my problems with the. Uh, that was going to be one of my next arguments is that the, we have too many clubs, and so it's a little watered down. So the competitive level is not where it needs to be. And to me, right. and not I know you coaching that, but there's too much of a focus on just having enough spots for whoever wants to, whoever wants to play. As you know, as part of making money, instead of developing a really strong club program to develop players. Right. Well, I went to Europe um, a couple of. Uh, well, I went to a couple of different countries in Europe, and what they have their farm system is set up at like the youth level. You know, you talk. I heard y'all saying something about like kind of like AAA baseball, stuff like Manchester United, Chelsea, all those great Premier League teams. They have you. They have kids playing for Chelsea at ten years old, and then they they just move up through Chelsea's development system. So it's it's a completely different league, and, and that's where a lot of Europeans will complain about high school soccer because you know it's it, we do what we can, but you know that's basically two different leagues that, you, that that you're playing in high school with high school league and then club league, and you got completely those are completely two different games. So it's it's very different, and and I'm not that it's real bad, you know. I know most kids I think like high school soccer more than club soccer just because of the pride factor. You know, you're playing for your school, and you know club systems you move in and out, um, different teams from year to year. I'm not playing enough, so I'm going to play for a different club, and it's you know that that's where some of the American attitudes maybe maybe hurts us, and I, I'm not sure if that's accurate. That's just a theory. What about the the, the uh, uh, explain a little bit to people what an academy team is because those are just now starting to get into our marketplace. What is an academy team when it comes to a club level team? Well, you, you're you can play at a different a different level. Like there, there's the, the Rovers. Uh, you're you're developing that academy team into your farm system, and then like the Rovers, the River City Rovers, uh, which I think they changed the Derby City Rovers recently, but they will play at a, at a. There's like five pyramids of of developmental soccer, and you get like club, and then you go up to like PDL. I went and tried out for uh, an A League team called the Cincinnati Riverhawks when I was out of college, and it was like an A League. It's like a just step above semi-pro soccer. Gotcha. So then you've got those five tiers, but they, they play um, at a higher level um, that's that's um, it's hard to explain. 
it's kind of like a higher level club that will play. Um, it's a, it's it's a junior pro sort of, and then academy is just where you develop them. Everybody's got their own system in soccer, and they, then they, they develop them at the at the youth level to try to prepare them for the the next tier of of the pyramid. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, a little bit. Pyramid scheme. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, um, I just was wondering. I know that like a lot of people in Kentucky, Indiana, they grow up watching basketball. They dream of playing basketball for the Hoosiers or maybe the Wildcats or maybe even the Cardinals. No one dreams for playing for the Hoosiers. Well, if they're I'm, in Indiana, I'm, I'm they do. I know. <laughs> okay. So I'm ask. What I want to know is if we get more TV coverage of soccer in like local areas, like if Louisville gets a soccer team and they start showing them a lot, or like Kansas City, they're starting to show more because they just won the uh, tournament. Uh, would that encourage young players to try to pursue soccer rather than, like you said, basketball, baseball, or football? And then would that maybe eventually make us better if there was more TV coverage of soccer? Well, I think it would be just like everything else. It's good. any publicity is good publicity for you. I mean, it would be it would be beneficial. It wouldn't hurt. You know, the more exposure you get to the sport, the better. Um, but. Yeah, you know, basketball, football, baseball—they're not going away. No, um, but you know, with, with with the population, I think what it last last was three hundred twenty million in the United States or something like that. I mean, it's um, we should we should have talent, and we we are, but we're just not. Um, there's not enough emphasis um, right now on. On the development, and I think that um, we get caught up in winning too much, and we don't learn the technique. I mean, that that is not soccer specific. That's every sport. I think you guys can agree with that. I have one hundred percent agree with that. that. Yep. Pardon me. I definitely agree with that. I mean, no I feel like it. that's like as a high school coach, that was my biggest argument watching these grade school coaches run their grade school teams. They were doing. Whatever thing they had to do to win, and not, you know, worried about their system and how they played their system, and not developing them fundamentally to get them ready for the next level. Your job at—it's at, hard. It's hard to sell. Yeah, because your job really at that level, your job at any level yeah. is to prepare a kid for the next level. Right. You shouldn't do. You shouldn't do anything but technical development. Make probably eighty percent of the time until they're ten. Uh, or ten years old playing like U twelve. Right. You know, by the time you get twelve, then you start introducing tactics. But technique is is just not there. I can't tell you how many high school kids I get that can't trap a ball. You know, which which compared to basketball, it's like getting a high school kid to play basketball and he can't catch the ball. Right. Wow. I can't tell you how many kids I get doing that. And it's like, what have you been doing for fourteen years? You know, you know, where's where's there's a loss there of the development. That's you know that that's part of America. We we want to win, and a lot of times we sell out the, the the development, the purity, whatever you want to call it, of the game of any sport just so we can win. And that's that's not that's not good. So what? So what? What's the long term outcome? Do you feel that we're on the verge of of going to that next level? Or I mean, obviously, in order for that to happen, I think we have to have a total revamp of how our. I mean, and Klingsman even said it in a press conference. The way that our youth soccer programs run have to be complete have to have to change for us to be able to. Yeah, but 
I don't want to be negative about it. I mean, we, we are much better. I heard you all say it earlier, this is the second time we went to the Sweet 16. You know, I mean, if you compare it to, like, NCAA basketball, where you get, what is it, 68 teams now? Right. That get, that get, that get in. You know, this, you qualify for the World Cup. There's only 32 teams in the country, or in the world. Right. There's only 32 countries that get to go, and we, and we, we got out of the group of death, which was, you know, the hardest group, arguably. Not much argue, argument there, but we got out of the group of death and, 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 you know, gave Belgium a run for their money. And actually, Wondolowski should have scored in the last few minutes of the game to put us ahead. Absolutely. Should have beat. I mean, they, 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 they pounded us. I mean, they, they couldn't score. Tim Howard is a, is a hero now. Did y'all see on Wikipedia somebody changed his uh, secretary, secretary of defense, defense yeah. Tim Howard? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, it was, we are better. And, I think if you put us against a bunch of these other teams that we didn't have to play all those, you you wouldn't say. I mean, some people, you know, Germany's great, and we and and we we played okay with them. And like I said, Portugal is one of the historically one of the better teams in the world. Right. And we really, if you know soccer, we beat them. We did. I mean, we were, Absolutely. I mean, especially and, when you consider that we uh, we get the first goal that we gave up against Portugal was was atrocious. It never should have happened. Yeah, well, that was that was JK's fault. That was Clemson. He played very defensive, and if we would have stepped out and just let him go, um, which I, I'm a little bit, I, I'm a little bit disappointed in how defensive we played. You know, just kind of sit back and defend and counter. But you know, I, I've actually, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I don't know if we'd have got out if we didn't do it. So it's hard for me to sit there and argue with what Clemson. Well, how much does that have to do great. with Josie Altidore being out? Once they lose Altidore, I mean, that, me. how much does that have to do with Altidore not being able to play? I, I don't think it had much to do with it. I, I think we lost a lot of – I think his tactics were his tactics. Um, and, and he was going to do that anyway. I think what we lost with Altidore is he's a big, strong, fast um, – and, and he's big, strong, and fast and able to hold the ball. And, and playing the formation that we played a lot of times, which is 4 five, one you know, one guy up top, and uh, he has to hold the ball so we can get up the field, and we, we didn't have much of that. And so it, that's where we lost with him. We, we probably would have had more possession up top if he was in there. Somebody was able to hold the ball. Dempsey couldn't do it very well. Yeah, Dempsey's just a quick scorer, it seems like. But um, I'm just curious, when – I know this may be a very difficult question, maybe an unreasonable question, but uh, when do you think that we could advance past the Sweet Six, Sweet Sixteen, or yeah, the Sweet Sixteen? It seems like we've been stuck on that the last couple times, and granted, it's the first time we've ever been yeah. able to do it twice in a row. But when do you think we're going to be able to go to the next step and get past the knockout stage? Well, we got well, past knockout. We oh. are. Or yeah, well, when when are when. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about yeah, 1930, you. but, right. you know. Right, right. I know what you mean. Uh, I, I think we are getting close. I mean, I, I don't want to make this sound, you know, that we're so bad. We're, we're, our, our development is a, little, is a little bit rough, but I think a lot of people have this similar issues going on in different countries. But yeah, I, don't, I would say the next two World Cups, I, I would expect it. Mm. Um, I've already seen the projecting uh, World Cup roster for 2018, and actually, it's interesting. A, a guy from a guy that was trained here, 
uh, Andrew Farrell was number one in last year's Super Draft in New England Revolution. Went to uh, uh, Atherton High School, right? And went UofL, is that right? He played Atherton? Yeah, he played, played UofL. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he's, gonna, he's projected to be one of the next guys in the World Cup. So it's kind of cool. To, to, he played for my, my club. He used to coach at United. And mm. he's uh, played at UofL, and he's projected to be on that roster next, next World Cup, which is very neat. Um, so you know, looking at the looking at the the roster, I think we are close. I mean, I would I don't know about next World Cup, 2018, 2022. I think you know we expect it. So uh, um, that's eight, four to eight years away. I mean, I I, I think we're there. I, I think that was uh, I think that's on everybody's mind. So well, Carson, I, I would say I would. When you get back in town, eight, six, eight years. When you get back in town, I'd love to have you in the studio so we can, can uh, continue this discussion. And I'd, I'd like to get someone else on the other side to uh, argue against us because I, I just feel like uh, there needs to be some drastic changes in order for us to actually compete on this world stage and get to the point where we can legitimately keep, compete for a championship. So, um, but we got to go to a break. I appreciate you coming on, bud, and, and have a safe drive. All right, man. Thanks. You'll have a great week. Thank right. you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break here. We'll be right back. Probably going to talk a little Reds baseball. On the other side, Mike and JT on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, we are back here at the 1450 studio. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike and JT here, both sporting our Cincinnati Reds gear right. right now. And uh, the Reds got a big win last night after a terrible... Oh, I, my listen, goodness. They, the, Reds, the Reds finally get healthy. And then they get healthy and they go on this unbelievable tear that culminated with a sweeping, a four-game, not a three-game sweep. Of the Giants. A four-game sweep in San Francisco of the Giants. Yeah. Where they, where they played phenomenal baseball. Oh, it was great. And then you would think that, okay, they're going to San Diego. Take two or three, if nothing else. Yeah, at least... Get two or three because the the Giants are better than the uh, oh my god like San plus. Diego. See, this is what the Reds. I've do, already been though. to two Padres games this year, by the way. So I've yeah. seen the Padres twice. Yeah. yeah, this is what I don't understand. The Reds. This is what they do. They play well against good teams like the Brew Crew, the Pirates, other teams in their division that are good, and then other teams too. They played well against the Giants. They played okay against the Dodgers. Then they go and play some terrible team, and they, they play terrible. It seems like the Reds just play up and down to their competition. doesn't matter who well, it is. Well, the first game against the Padres is the one, I guess, that frustrates me, and it set the tone for the entire three-game series in San Diego. Matt Latos, against his old team, goes out and throws a freaking one-hitter. And loses. <laughs> throws a one-hitter and loses. That's terrible. I mean – that is, it's unbelievable. It's it's absolutely unbelievable that they could go and and and, and so they get through San Francisco, and after that last uh, win over the Giants, they worked themselves up all the way to second place in the division. I know, and now they're all the way back down to fourth. They're down to fifth. 
No, fourth. Yeah, fourth. Because there's, yeah, there's five teams. teams. Yeah. There used to be six teams. I was like, wait, we're below yeah, the yeah, Cubs no, no, now? Right. Wait no. a minute. Fourth place. Because so, the Astros moved to the AL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. AL West. So, so, anyway. so you have the – but the, the Cardinals, the Pirates, the Reds, all um, fighting it out. The Reds worked themselves up. Not only the second place in the division, they were – they were char- they had the they were they were in the second wild card spot too because right. you got to start looking at those wild card stands because yep. Milwaukee's playing so well that you don't know I mean who knows that they're gonna well fold six, or not. six games back now are the Reds I believe from Milwaukee yeah and they got a four game lead over the over the Cardinals. so if if for if the Reds can beat Milwaukee like they have done all year and win the series. They're going to be a little bit closer, so they can narrow the gap a little bit. Well, actually, that's that's the thing that really kind of gives me hope is that the Reds against the National League Central have been phenomenal. Yeah, they've been great against division, but then when they go out of division and play those terrible teams, they they have been awful. It's hard to explain. Well, uh, and you know, uh, I'm going to go see them play an awful team next week. They're playing the Cubs. I'm going to go to. Yeah. Uh, I'm well, I mean, that's in our division. But they play division, well. So hopefully, they're the going to play continue to play well in the division. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this, the Reds right now against the Central, 21 and 14 against the Central, mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, yeah. I, I I think that's they, that's they, actually the best record in the National League Central. It is, yeah. and uh, as far as inter interleague play or inter division play, right, and. Uh, well, I mean, even outside division play, like against good teams like the Blue Jays, they should have swept the Blue Jays. Yeah. But, I mean, they took two or three from the Blue Jays. Any, and the one they lost, they blew an eight-run right, eight lead. Eight to nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. The Reds can play well with the best teams. We know they can because we've seen them time and time again. The question is, can they get themselves up for those games that are against weak teams? And the guy that uh, you know we're starting to see really play well right now, and there's, there's two guys on this team that I've been kind of mm-hmm. harsh on. And uh, they've both been playing pretty well lately. Um, one, of course, is it, we'll start with Billy Hamilton. Oh, National League Rookie of the Month. Yeah, that guy's been phenomenal. National League Rookie uh, of the Month. Who would have thought five home runs? I wouldn't have thought he he hit like three for Louisville last year. I don't know if that's – it was under five, though, for Louisville last year in the whole AAA season. And this year he's already hit five before the All-Star break for the Reds. I still need to see his on-base percentage. Get yeah. to where it's you know at least sixty points above his batting average. You know he still does not walk enough for me. He uh, strikes out a lot, and he strikes out a lot. Thir- he does thirteen walks is all he's got in two hundred and ninety uh, four at bats. So that would be with what three hundred and seven well, plate appearances. Is a uh, if you think about it though, who's going to walk Billy Hamilton? Well, you gotta you gotta risk it with Hamilton because if he walks, he's probably going to third. You're tr- true, but I think more of that has to do with his. Um, his plan when he goes to the plate, he's a little bit of a free swinger. That's true. You know, working account. He doesn't. He doesn't take pitchers deep in accounts very often. No. Um, sixty strikeouts for is he, where he's standing yeah. right now. By the way, for Billy Hamilton, needs to take some lessons from Joey Votto, obviously on that. But uh, yeah, because Votto's you know only got forty six uh, strikeouts right now. But the well, Joey Votto, I think, is the most walked in the NL Central, if I'm not mistaken. He's got 47 walks in, to that 46 strikeouts. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and then, uh, you know, Jay Bruce, same thing, 30, 30 walks, but Jay Bruce strikes out a ton. Yeah. Jay um, Bruce is a power swinger, though. I mean, you kind of expect that a little bit from Jay Bruce. Right. He goes for the fences. That's what he's there for. But let's just look at, like, the Reds, like, right now. So, Mesoraco, who's been unbelievable oh. this year, his, his uh, on base percentage. 
is 65 points higher than his batting average. He should be in the All-Star game. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's another thing that's going to be real interesting to me is like what happens with the Red All-Stars. Because I would, I would think that you know guys like Brandon Phillips probably maybe get voted in, mm-hmm. and Joey Votto might get voted in. And then you've got some guys on this team. Todd Frazier deserves maybe a chance. Oh, yeah. Devin Mesoraco, Cueto. Uh, you can make best a ERA in the, in the National League. And they're not going to get all these guys in the All-Star game. No. So it's going to be real interesting to me to see, you know, yeah. which ones get it. Because Cueto, Alfredo Simon deserves. Simon a tied tied right now with Adam Wainwright, and I'm trying to think of the other guy. For uh, wins? Kershaw. Kershaw for 11 wins. That's uh, that's a pretty good company right there. Yeah. Ker- <laughs> and talk about Kershaw, uh, no hitter this year. So, I mean, if you're in company with a guy who throws no hitters and flirted with a no hitter, the game afterwards in a shutout win, I mean, that's, that's good company. Yeah. Kershaw, uh, you know, a lot of people think he might be the best pitcher of this generation, and um, I, I'm just looking at these at these guys, and I'm excited because I think they could have a really strong second half of the, the year. They definitely have healthy. the talent if they can put it together. And the few times when you've seen their pitching and batting come together, um, I mean, it's been yeah. They're they're putting up some serious run numbers and some. And then they they put up death. 13 against the Brew Crew. I don't remember what the final score was, but they put up 13 runs yeah, against I mean, the Brew Crew. Uh, and the Brew Crew's a good team. I mean, they're a good team. The Brewers are, are tearing it up. You know, the, the record right now, 51-36, and 36, the most wins in the National League. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, the, can Milwaukee sustain that kind of success? You know, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. I on. I don't think that I honestly don't think Milwaukee will win. I think the Cardinals always find a way to win somehow in the division. Most of the time, I mean, the Reds won 2012, I think 2010. But I, the Cardinals just seem like one of those teams that the later on in the year it gets, the better they play. And the Brewers just don't have that history of winning the division. They're an incredible franchise, uh, the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, that just. You're right. They continue to win at a at a high level, and uh, I I think uh, you know I, I think they got more chinks in their armor this year than they have that they've shown in the past. That's true. I don't think their depth, especially pitching depth, is as strong. Right. Um, and that's what I like about the Reds. I mean, right now they've got five really solid starting pitchers. They do if they put it together. But like you said, Johnny Cueto has the best ERA in the National League, but his wins to loss toll isn't that great because of the run support he's gotten. Right. And. Uh, Mike Leake has struggled at times when he obviously is a good pitcher. Um, you know, Homer Bailey is, is one of those pitchers that he either pitches really well or really terrible. It's one of those weird things. Like, he can go from almost throwing a no-hitter to giving up, like, six runs, and you're like, what is going on with this guy? It's just one of those weird things and, with the Reds. And that's uh, that's you know brings up a point right now that the Reds have shown some perplexity to put up some runs, but there still is a team – only hitting 246, which is 19th best in baseball. Not good. And they've only put up 329 runs, and that's 24th in baseball. Mm. And now a lot of that has to do with the really slow start they've gotten. You know, I think sure. recently they've put it, they've done better of putting the runs on the board. They are the best fielding team. Uh, yeah, I mean you got it's you got Brandon Phillips and that guy. Oh, Cozart I mean, too. I mean Cozart. Cozart's good. The Reds infield is so fun to watch. If the, if you hit a ground ball. In the Reds infield, it's in it's within the playing sphere. There's some great plays. Phillips made a play last night that was unbelievable. The first inning, I mean, I think he only has two errors on the season. That's just incredible for a second baseman to only have yeah. two errors on the season. And I mean, 
And Brandon you, Phillips, I think, is the best second baseman defensively in in baseball. And you mentioned, uh, you know, briefly, Homer's kind of hot and cold, and that was, uh, I was, I was skeptical about giving him that much money, and I and I still am skeptical of giving him that much money. But he has lately, I feel, pitched pretty strong with the well. He pitched really well against the Giants. I mean, he pitched yeah, he an did. incredible he, uh, shutout. Nine, you know. And then his two starts before that weren't great. Three starts before that maybe not weren't great. But then he, you know, one run against the Phillies, mm-hmm. another quality start against the Giants, quality start against the Dodgers, yeah. quality start against the Cardinals. I mean, I, well, he's shown that he can. Bailey is is though, like I said, really weird because like some games he'll pitch. He either pitches really well or really badly. There's like no in between for Homer Bailey. I think it's a mental issue with him that he needs to straighten out because if he could just get to that point where he always pitches. Uh, you know, good or well, the Reds would be much better in his starts because I think sometimes he just doesn't come out mentally ready and he pitches really badly and the Reds get destroyed in those games. But then the games where he comes out sharp as attack, where his changeup is killing people, and, uh, you know, it's hard to hit Bailey when he's on. And then, uh, without a doubt, so now it comes down to what are the Reds going to do um, at the trade deadline. You know, what what could they possibly go at and get? Uh, and it looks to me like they need to go up, and if they're going to do anything, get a bat. You know, yeah. they need to get they need to get a, another bat in the lineup. Um, so, yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see who they who they if they do go after somebody or who do you think they would go after? Well, it's got to be a left fielder, right. um, and so uh, you know, I don't a quality left fielder or a relief pitcher because this is the first year. Yeah, the relief really, pitchers are really bad for the Reds. Yeah, it's the first time really in a long time where the relief pitching has not been very good. It used to be locked down, and, and if it's you a t- lot of the same guys, but they just you know yeah. are banged up a little bit, injured mm-hmm. or whatever else. And and you talked about them being banged up. That They have eight relief pitchers, which is a lot in MLB, and a lot of that, like you said, is due to them banged up. So maybe if they get a healthy relief pitcher that can help them out a little bit, you need they need somebody besides Chapman who they can count on for relief. And I just don't know if there's that sexy left fielder name out there to go out because I think what you're going to have to end up giving is you've got so many good quality starting pitching arms. You know, you might have to trade a Tony Singrani or. Well, I mean, like they they might that. be they could afford to trade Tony Singrani if Alfredo Simon continues to play the well the way he has. I I would agree, but I want to get a I want to get a good name. I mean, I want right. to get a, a guy who can play, and you know, the best they can probably get right now is uh, is. Maybe like the left fielder for the Padres, the the uh, what's his name? Is it Smith? Uh, yeah, Seth Smith. And um, you know, is that a huge upgrade over Ryan Ludwig? I I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, honestly, I think the the Reds are they like Ludwig, but Ludwig is one of those guys that he was on a tear earlier in uh, June. But then he he's like hot and cold as well. He hits really well at certain points and hits really badly. But when he's hitting badly, you need someone else to come in and try to give him a little rest. I don't know. Ludwig is kind of one of those weird outfielders. So the uh, the Reds continue today. They got a four o'clock start time uh, today against the Brewers and another key game. If they could get a sweep of the Brewers in this uh, thing, it would make it really interesting because yeah, you know. A sweep against the Brewers here, three game sweep against the Brewers. It put it four games back, right? Well, yeah, but also what it does to the the Brewers lead over the Cardinals, and it just you'll have four mm. teams basically within like four within games. four games of each other, yeah. Yeah. and the that could be just an unbelievable division because I don't see, yeah, I don't really see any of those four teams totally going away. Well, and if you look at it, 
four, any of those four teams could probably win the other two divisions. You talk about the NLE. Sure, the Braves are okay, but I mean, that division's a little weak. And then, I don't know, the Dodgers might be tough to beat in the NL West, but any of those teams, the Pirates, the Reds, the Cardinals, the Brewers, could probably go win Most the, the, the title divisions. in the other divisions yep. and in so the National League. We got Homer Bailey pitching tonight against Matt Garza. Uh, should be a good one. And uh, we are up against the end of the hour, so we're going to go take go ahead and take our final break of the hour, and we'll be right back for the second hour of the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, second hour sports fans of the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brand J. Lawrence. Love to hear from you at 384-1450. We had a great weekend in sports last weekend, and I had to miss again because I was sick, and I apologize. I wanted to be here. But uh, we had the big NASCAR race here locally at the we Kentucky did. Speedway. Yep. Are you into that at all? I honestly am not a NASCAR fan. I will occasionally watch little bits of the race, like the end. <laughs> like if it's like the last six laps, I'm like, all right, I might, I might watch it. But uh, it's pretty exciting that Kentucky now has their own race course. Yeah, and, and from all accounts, you know, from what I can gather, the it's kind of a unique surface for these drivers. It's not a completely smooth surface. It's kind of bumpy, kind of rough. Yeah. And that uh, those guys really like racing on that. I guess there's a little bit more actual skill involved when you're racing on the type of surface at Kentucky than just having the best car. And uh, which Brad Keselowski obviously had the best car probably both days of the you know the Friday and Saturday. The he Friday led almost the entire race until the end and uh, had a little bit of bad luck. Uh, had a and got a, a penalty driving too fast on pit road and had to pass through. He never was able to – it was too late for him to really kind of make up. And then uh, – but had the best car. Yeah. And then Saturday he destroyed everybody. So, um, obviously yeah. had the best car. Yeah, and I mean, he's historically done well at Kentucky Speedway. Oh, yeah. If you looked at uh, the short history of Kentucky Speedway. And like you said, I think it adds a little bit of an adventure to NASCAR, uh, Kentucky Speedway. Because like you said, it's a very challenging course. And players kind of look forward to it. It's kind of one of those things that, you know, will test their skill, test their brand sort of. And they enjoy that. And I know that uh, uh, when I was sort of covering it last year for um, WLKY, they talked about that. You know, Jeff Gordon was talking about that. Some of the other big names talked about Brad Kelslowski. They were just talking about how fun it is to race in the Kentucky Speedway. And uh, the NBA Summer League kicks off, t- uh, tips off today. Yes. Actually, it's underway right now. Luke Hancock got on with the Magic. There you go. Yeah. And uh, right now the uh, – the, the Brooklyn Nets and the Indiana Pacers are playing, and uh, mm. Brooklyn is uh, destroying them, by the way. Of course, it doesn't mean anything. And but, anybody on the – any locals playing on either of those Yeah, we teams? got Marcus Teague playing on Ooh, the, uh, on the Marcus Nets. Marcus Teague. Okay. Marcus Teague's playing on the Nets. And okay. uh, looks like that might be the only one out of the two teams. Gotcha. So – so yeah. what do you th- how do you think Hancock's going to do? He looked really good in the tournament, especially against Kentucky, but he always plays well against Kentucky. Um, uh, I don't think he's an NBA player, though. I mean, no, I mean, he's a good three-point shooter, but you don't get those shots in the NBA that you get in college from the three-point line. He's an okay dribbler, but I don't think just 
not quite good enough. He's a good pure shooter. I don't know, maybe he could be like a Scott Padgett was in the NBA, get a few years, come off the bench, knock down some threes. I don't know. Uh, he's not quite a Scott Padgett player. I mean, he, Scott Padgett was an All-American. No, I mean, I, I, Scott Padgett was really – Scott Padgett only averaged about 13 points a game, though, in college. Yeah, but, I mean, again, I, don't, I think that's the most overrated stat out there. And, yeah, that's true. And I just think that, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I Luke is a hell of a player and yeah. he's smart. I just worry about if he's athletic enough to play at that level. So Yeah, I got uh, you. Well, I mean, uh, he made Charles Barkley a believer in the tournament. Charles Barkley's like, okay, he might be able to make an NBA Supposedly run, so. he did pretty well in his uh, in his workouts, you know, yeah. too. I mean, I think he – and he's determined. I mean, he's he's come yeah. out and been vocal about the fact that he's going to make a roster. And, mm-hmm. um what, what we would I obviously would love to see it. So mm-hmm. what about Siva? You think? Man, Siva's got to find a home. Did now? I don't. Did someone pick him up for the summer league? Or I, he's I playing with the Pistons. He's I, playing with the Pistons. I think he's playing with the Pistons. Yeah. Uh, I, last year, I just didn't see much or, or anything of him. Kind of was like uh, what happened to Darius Miller. Maybe got into a few games, but didn't didn't get much action. Well, Darius Miller played a lot for the Hornets or the Pelicans or whatever they are I, I'm now. Talking about his like his first year. First year. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the difference there is that Siva now Siva's a point guard. Miller's mm-hmm. not, uh, but Miller's actually being tall and long enough to defend. Miller's a level. great defender. Great and, defender. Uh, and Siva, you know, I hope he, I hope he gets after it because I think Siva would be a great team guy to have on. You know, a guy that you'd want to have around. So. Yeah, I mean, he he's a great passer, not quite Rondo like, but very good passer. So the uh, but the summer league is in full swing. Uh, all these guys you just had their dreams realized in the draft and a couple of other guys that got picked up through free agency, getting it done, trying mm-hmm. to make a roster. That's what it's all about, trying to, you know, trying to uh, impress enough so that you can get that roster spot that Steve right. was lucky enough to have last year. And yeah. um, I think he would be great for him to have one. You know, but that's a guy that he's going to be able to come back to Louisville, even if Siva doesn't make a roster. Yeah. And have a really nice life. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, uh, he won a national championship. Um, another guy that w- that you uh, that got drafted was Russ Smith. I was wondering whether he was going to get drafted because some people are like he's too small to play right. in the NBA. He was kind of like a Jacob Pullen coming out of the uh, the uh, of, co- of college. The just, lightest guy to get drafted since the year two thousand. Wow, but he is really fast. So if you get him on the fast break, no one's catching Russ Smith. So he, uh, he he can move, and he yeah. is one got a great competitive spirit. You know, mm-hmm. I I don't. You gotta love his spirit. He's a little bit too, um, too guncock sometimes. Well, but. and I, that's where I like. I don't feel like he's a point guard, and I think that his his size he could get away with if he was a point guard. And I just don't feel like he's got the NBA the skill to be an NBA point guard. Yeah, I don't think he has the dribbling ability of an NBA point guard, uh, or knows how to run the offense well enough for an NBA team. But um, do you think he'll? Stay with the roster, or I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's the type of guy that would probably really be nice for an NBA team to have around for the, you know, especially for practices and stuff like that because he's going to compete so hard. Yeah, and uh, so I, you know, I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him make the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to New Orleans is going to be a great spot for him. Uh, I think they they need guards. You know, they need. They need they need electric electric guards too. I mean, I think he fits in there. They got Anthony Davis there in the middle already. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun when those guys come play well, Miami in the Yum Center, and you're going to have you know those local guys on the team. Yeah, um, I would come watch a game for sure. Yeah, 
And you talk about the horn, uh, the Pelicans. I keep wanting to call them the Hornets. They got a couple uh, great players on their. T- Anthony Davis is really making them a lot better team if they add a, a player or two around him. And then you talked about uh, Darius Miller getting better if he could well, get some playing now, time with. But Davis. Miller's a f- unrestricted free agent now, so he's not going to necessarily be on that team. So well, that's true. He might. Uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I think someone's going to pick up Darius Miller, but yeah, um, the the Pelicans need to free us from cap space. So they didn't extend Darius Miller's contract, and now they're going. Darius Miller's going to have to be like Steven and hope to find a home. You know. Yeah. Well, you, Miller is going to be one of those guys that they'll probably pick up just because he can play defense. He's got a really smooth, silky shot, and you know that's that's something that you you need in the NBA. Someone who can play, you know, that kind of defense. And you know, if you got a good shot, you could probably make a roster somewhere. I, I do. I think, he, and I think he showed enough in his previous years in the NBA that he can that he can make a roster. Well, yeah, and, and he tore up the summer league last year. I remember one game he was just on fire from three point range, and I mean, it's all, all those guys you're playing against are above the college level, so it wasn't like he was playing, you know, Eastern Kentucky or something. So, but you know, and, uh, the guards that uh, and but when you think about the local guys that are coming in on that team, you know, you're gonna have Russ mm-hmm. be there. Uh, you're going to have Eric Gordon from Indiana, yep. Anthony Davis, possibly Darius Miller. I mean, you never know where he ends up. Uh, Russ, though, when you look at these guards on, on the Pelicans, he's really going into the best situation he could possibly go into. Eric Gordon is there. Yep. He's a good player, starting to get a little bit older. Drew Holiday from from UCLA, yeah. uh, a guy who is, is a bigger point guard for than, than Russ is. Um Austin Rivers, you know, I, I, I don't think Austin Rivers does a whole lot for me. I, no. I don't know. I just Well, in Duke, he was downtown Rivers, but you're not going to get those those three-point shots like we were talking about in the NBA. No. Um, so, yeah, I don't think uh, – I don't know if Austin Rivers is going to be able to maintain, uh, you know, that NBA status if all he can do is shoot threes. We'll see. So uh, Brian Roberts, who's you know played at Dayton a, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, and then Russ, and I. So Russ, Russ is Russ has got a chance. I mean, yeah. I, I think he really is going into the best situation for him to make a roster, and uh, you know he's the type of guy that's always been told he can't do things or he's not good enough or big enough or whatever right. else. That if he's able to make the roster and able to, uh, once he makes the roster, who knows what happens? You know, eventually, I think he's the kind of guy that. If he makes a roster, you see him do a couple amazing things in practice. At some point, he's going to get an opportunity. Yeah, it's it, all about how he handles the opportunity. Well, and you know what Kevin Durant says? He says hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. And Russ Smith has uh, proved that all his career. I mean, he came in at Louisville. Uh, you know, people not he didn't get recruited a lot, but he came in and really kind of shocked everybody when he came to Louisville. It was just, uh, and then he developed his three point game too. It's not like he's just. All of a sudden, people didn't know about him. He had to develop his game with Patino. Really learned to stroke the three ball, and uh, you know but that's still really his fast. secondary scoring option. And that's sure, the other thing. sure. So it's, it's like it's, now he's got to take it to the hoop, right? Against all those tall guys, he's going to have to guard a lot taller people that are as athletic as he is. Mm. You know, it's going to be tough. I and I got to admit, all right, watching, listening, draft day, and everyone was locally on Twitter especially comparing him with Shabazz Napier and wondering why Shabazz Napier got picked so high. Shabazz Napier won the national championship. But That's why he got picked. Ru- and Russ Shabazz Napier is one of the best players in the game. But Russ and him went head-to-head. Right. And Russ, every time, you know, came out looking a lot better than Shabazz Napier when they went head-to-head. 
Well, but Shabazz is a point guard. I mean, there's yeah. no question, right. true point guard. And is he? He's not huge. You know, I, I understand that. He's so just like Russ is not huge, but he's bigger. He still is bigger than Russ. And yeah. and he's got more point guard ability. Yeah. To me, than Russ is. He's, he's got 20 pounds on Russ. Yep. He's got two to three inches on Russ. Yep. And uh, he can dribble the basketball really well. Russ Smith is sometimes a bit iffy with the basketball. As to far me, as dribbling ability. And that's it. I mean, I think he's he was safer for an NBA t- uh, team to take a guy like Shabazz Napier than a yep. guy like Russ Smith because if you put Russ and he and he can't if he can't play the one and he's got to have another point guard out there and he's got to go out there and guard someone else's two that might be, be six 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 seven yeah yeah I you, mean there's, you can't there let them some, get near the basket if you're Russ Smith and you're guarding a six 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 seven guy there are some serious warning signs for the NBA guys when it comes to that you know yeah. despite all the great things he's able to do on the floor oh well, um, you know and. Like I said, they a lot of players that are great in college don't get drafted, like Jacob Pullen, two-time All-American, All-Big 12 defensive player, two years in a row. I mean, two-time All-American didn't get drafted because he wasn't very tall, and the NBA does look at that quite extensively. And I think that's the thing. It's like, and that's, like, even when you're looking at uh, kids coming out of high school and what makes kids a Division One player or a Division Two player, and lots of times that's what it is, too. It's the, it's the people, the kids that fall into these tweener positions that could have the skill level to play at a division one level, but maybe, you know, for example, the guy's a power forward and he's only six five. Right. And so he doesn't get I mean so the same thing happens at the college level. I mean, you go you go to Bellman games and you'll see a lot of guys who have divi- uh, division one talent out there. Yeah. But because either they're a step slow or because they're you know, for some reason their their size doesn't match their position or whatever else they're playing Division Two, but it's at a really high level. I mean, yeah. it doesn't correlate. It's not like you can just say, oh, this guy was a 20-point yeah, yeah. scorer in college, so he's going to go be a good pro. It's right. not the same thing. Right. Absolutely not. And uh, I went to some low Division One games. I watched uh, Larry Bird's school play. They Indiana they State. gave us, when we were in high school, they gave us, they let us have free tickets or something. The Sycamores. Yes. And a lot of those guys were really they were really good, and I'm like, wow, these guys can really play because you think you go to a lower division one at least when you're growing up, and you think there's a big, you know, there's a gap, but there's really not much of a gap. It's really tiny well, as far as like talent. Well, whatever. fundamentally, you're actually probably going to see, you might see better fundamental basketball than you would see at. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're yeah. just not as athletic. Exactly. And um, you know, it, that's that's the same thing at Belmont. If you want to go see really good fundamental basketball, go watch Coach Davenport's team play and. And they're gonna they're gonna be phenomenal, and they're always top five in the country. And yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. But I I love Division two basketball. So, um, you know, yeah, not to totally get off that, but uh, some Division two basketball though, as far as Belmont goes, and we'll kind of because we only got a couple minutes left in the segment, just to kind of you know put this one to bed. Uh, Belmont gets the a local transfer, Josh Sewell, who played college, who played high school at Trinity, but then went to Miami, Ohio. Is coming back to play for the Belmont Knights. He's going to transfer in. And for those that don't know, they don't have to sit out when they transfer from a Division One to a Division Two school, so he'll mm-hmm. be eligible immediately. And then Braden Hobbs, who played, who's a local Southern Indiana kid, I believe, played in New Albany, uh, is going overseas to play professionally. So Belmont oh, nice. guy going to play professionally, going nice. you know make a little money. That's right. That's, that's, all, right. that's what it's all about. 
You got to make a living somehow. When you can make some money, make some money. That's right. So, there's where uh, – anything else before on the draft before we finish the segment? You know, what uh, do you think about where uh, Randall and James Young – You know, I, I – Indiana gets another lottery pick. Yeah, I – I think that Randall's got a good good spot for him I to mean, kind of develop and and he's really got a great good. spot. Yeah, I mean, I the Los Angeles Lakers big time name. I mean, you, normally if you're a high draft pick, you're not going to the Lakers or the Celtics or a team like that. But this year, some of those big names weren't. James Jones goes to Celtics. Yep. Randall goes to Lakers. Yeah, and those are two great franchises to play for. You got a big fan base, and not only that, but they've got holes to fill, and that they could potentially get a lot of playing time, especially Randall in. L.A. where they really struggled with that uh, those uh, power positions. So. Well, I think if Randall can have the mindset that every Kobe miss is a pass to him, yeah, and he just rebounds at the same level he rebounded at Kentucky, he's gonna he's gonna do really yeah. really well. So, all right, we're gonna take a break. We will be right back on the weekend sports buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, Mikey JT back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. And uh, we were talking uh, about the big news of the week. And one of the big news stories of the week is that Louisville goes uh, officially into the ACC. That's right. Uh, which should be good for football, potentially. Yeah. But uh, perhaps a little bit harder for you know, basketball. About the same, I guess. Well, I mean, I think it's still the. I think it's the greatest basketball league ever assembled. Uh, ACC. The ACC now. I mean, the Big East was really, really good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. And the Big East actually even might have been, as far as the depth goes, might have been deeper. But you took the basically the cream of the crop of the Big East with Pittsburgh and Syracuse and Louisville. Yeah. And even Notre Dame, to some extent, who's always seemed to be up there in, as far as the Big East standings go. And, yeah. and you put those guys in the uh, ACC with with some unbelievable basketball tradition. And, and now you've got four of the five active coaches that are in the <sighs> Hall of Fame. ACC is going to be intense this year. And you got to like it if, if you're Louisville, if you want to compete in, in a big-time league. You know, the AAC – Really wasn't what you were looking for, but well, I mean, they and they knew that. I, yeah. I think the, I, this is a total kudos to Tom Jurich to to get this done. I, you know, and and really, it worked out so well for Louisville that they did not get the call that West Virginia got from the Big Twelve. I mean, the Big Twelve would have been a, a step up for them, but the ACC fits Louisville yeah. so much better than the Big Twelve. It's not even funny. You got. Uh, and they they mentioned some of these things during the press conference. All the schools in the Eastern Time Zone. You know how nice that is. I mean, yeah, I, think I mean, you wouldn't want to have to go to like Kansas, which is like eleven hours from here, or like Texas, which is really far from here. And That'd be miserable. Some of those trips. I mean, there's don't get me wrong. There's some of those trips, but there's right. You don't want to do it week in and week out. Though. Right. Yeah. Syracuse is still what ten hours away. Miami's obviously, yeah. you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen hours in yeah. the car and yeah. But you yeah, got, I mean, but yeah. most of it is in that Virginia, North Carolina, right, right. 
kind of uh, at least yeah it's, it's it's a lot closer than going to like a kansas or an oklahoma or texas certainly yeah they're mostly you know pretty easy day trips in the car but but right. just from a, a you know a fan who's going to stay at home and having all the games in the conference on the eastern time zone that's huge that's 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 uh, nice although the central time i enjoy watching those because if you want to go to bed maybe a little bit earlier than you can you know what the central time would be an sorry hour later. Yeah, no i'm the central time isn't they're an hour behind us, right? So if it's yeah, eight o'clock here, yeah, seven, my bad. I, I was I was thinking if I was in the central time, then I realized. Wait, okay, yeah, sorry, you used to be bad. in the central. Time, I used to be in the central. central now it's bothering with my head. Yeah, okay, okay, I'm sorry. There you go. You got that when you lived in Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, yes, I enjoyed Eastern, watching Eastern, Eastern time, time games okay. on Central. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Mind blank. And then, uh, but you got so you got that. But you got the academic profile of all these schools. That I mean, I think. It's, no offense to the Big 12. I know you went to a Big 12 institution, but the academic profile of the ACC schools is is a little bit higher. Yeah. And then you also – but the fit for Louisville is in regards to their non-revenue sports, I mean, it's really just lines up really well with Louisville, you know, well, having the soccer success they've had yeah. recently. And, and the Big 12 schools, honestly – line up more with uh, SEC schools as as terms of their non – Totally agree. Non whatever sports like non revenue right like equestrians big in the SEC and the Big Twelve you'll never see that at uh, ACC or something and uh, SEC and the Big Twelve play the same non revenue sports pretty much a lot of the same things they don't play soccer no they soccer don't, they don't play I mean no men's soccer I don't know about women's soccer. okay well you know what I'm saying yeah. so their non revenue sports are are you know you'll see something like equestrian or things like that that line up more but you're right Louisville wouldn't go into the Big 12 and play equestrian or you know right. something like that. So from from that standpoint, I just think this is a complete and total home run for the University of Louisville. I mean, yeah. I, it gives them legitimacy sure. as far as like if they are able to go 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 in, in football again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, and certainly legitimacy in basketball. But then when you think about if you're a supporter of the school and you buy football tickets and basketball tickets, mm-hmm. the quality of opponents that you're having to come in now mm-hmm. as opposed to what you were Scene. Yeah, I mean, I mean the ACC up until last year had really struggled in football, and then they kind of got a breakthrough. They got the, uh, uh, you know, of course they got the Florida State, and they got some pretty good wins. They got two big bowl wins. I mean, two big BCS bowl wins, which is huge for the ACC as first football. And that's what exactly like I was, you know, we were talking to people yesterday, and, and loyal fans that I was with agree. It's like it's a it's a good football conference. But it's not like an impossible juggernaut football conference. No, it's not like the SEC so or something. Yeah, so it's still a conference, though, that y- you can come out of, make a lot of noise, gain some some respect. I mean, freaking Wake Forest won the ACC a couple years ago. Right. So it's not like it's uh, – It's anybody's conference, really. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 winnable, it's doable, right. but it's still respectable. So uh, unlike the basketball, which is just going to be like – Oh, my goodness, that's going to be I mean, it's gonna, torture. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be torture for the teams they're playing, but it's gonna be fun to watch. That's I mean, for sure. yeah, it's gonna to, and it's to me, I, I just think it's it's gonna be a much better thing than the Big East was, just because of the, of the I think the quality of of play yeah. and the style of play is gonna be so much more fun well, to watch. And Louisville, uh, what I'm really looking forward to is the Louisville Duke series because Louisville and Duke, I think they played in the national championship in 1980, was it? And it was 86. really good. 86. I'm sorry. This was a really good game, and fans still talk about that game. Of course, I wasn't alive then, but you know. Um, but uh, Louisville played UCLA in the 80 championship. Okay, I'm sorry. So yeah, but uh, you know, it just is. So you played Duke in the 78 championship game. Yeah. <laughs> just one of them. They beat. 
Uh, I remember Scott Paget beat Duke, and that was my favorite memory growing up. And shot the lights out. The that's lights right, because he remembers. He said he remembers crying when they lost. That's what he says anyway. So when uh, they lost, the other one. yeah. Well, that's when I was at Saint X, and was yeah. Scott was at Saint X also. That, yeah. And I I remember that game like so vividly. It's not even funny. Well, yeah. And I, what I'm saying basically is that Louisville and Kentucky have played really well against Duke when they've played them. So it it seems like it's going to be a fun matchup. To I watch. think there's a natural rivalry between Tobacco Road. Yep, and our little triangle of basketball here, and which one's better? I think there's right. no question which you know that there's there's a little bit of automatic rivalry that happens. You know, as a Kentucky fan, um, I well I Kentucky, Kentucky fans, fans hate Duke. Loyal, yeah, Kentucky fans and loyal fans. I th- I think hate. both don't like Duke. Yeah, and uh, well, so one thing they they rally behind. I was actually a little funny story, I guess. You know, my daughter. Um, she was probably three at the time, and right. she was asleep on my parents' couch. And the the Duke of ha- Dukes of Hazard movie was coming out. Okay, all right. And she heard a, a commercial for it, but she was like half asleep on the couch, and she like sprung up and goes, "We don't like Duke." That's all she heard. <laughs> That's great. So, and I, I asked great. her in the car the other day uh, because she's like a competitive sports nut. I said, "Which you know, she's she's now ten. I said, who are you going to cheer for? Because she's a huge Kentucky fan. I said, who are you going to cheer for yeah. when Louisville plays Duke? And she said, I'll cheer for Louisville that game. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of uh, Louisville fans that really don't like Duke either. And and I think it's the same with North Carolina. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's that kind of Kentucky versus North Carolina rivalry. You got the two Kentucky schools that are really good and the two North Carolina schools that are really yeah. good. It's great. Great. And then when you add in NC State and um, NC State's and a pretty solid program. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that's a, that's a really good. The, thing. the question is, how is Louisville going to reload? They lost, you know, of course, Russ Dickulis, who's really good, and Luke Hancock. Uh, Louisville's who, not going to be hurting at the guard spot, so they they've well, got so many guys that are there waiting to step up and come in. You had a guy like like uh, like uh, like Gill, who didn't play hardly at all last year. Yeah, who's a high level scorer. Sure, and, I mean they they got guys, but I mean. Luke Hancock was an intangible scorer. I mean, that guy could just score at will, and then Rusticulous would just fly by people. So, I mean, well, you're going to have a guy like Terry Rogier who's going to step up and fill kind of like, like that leadership role. Rogier was good last year, and we'll see. Uh, he's going to continue, of course, to well, get I, better. I thought he looked like he could be like the next kind of All American kind of type player. Yeah, I mean, he has that. He has that uh, almost combination of Peyton Seaver and Russ Smith almost. No, I, I definitely think that Louisville's got some more question marks than Kentucky does. Well, yeah. I mean, but, most people have more question marks than Kentucky. Does, but I but. think that Louisville's not going to have anything to really, you know, they're they're going to be in a really good spot. And then, then, you know, of course, then we're going to have to always keep an eye on what's going on down the road in Indiana, uh, and because Tom Crean is definitely on the hot seat. So, uh, yeah, that last season was not what he was looking for. Do you, sure. you see the thing posted on uh, dot co about you know the ranking of the top fifty? College basketball coaches. I saw that. Yeah, John Calipari and Billy Donovan in the number one spots. No, John Calipari is the two, was the two. Two, the two, but yeah. yeah, in the top two, I meant. So yeah, Donovan, Billy Donovan. What do you think about Billy Donovan being the number one overall coach? Uh you know he's a really good coach, and uh, yeah, sure he's won two national championships, but I don't know. It's tough. Those top five spots are really tough to argue. I mean, you got. Calipari, who I think should be a top five coach, and I agree Billy Donovan should too, but the top five spots are, are really tough to call. I mean, it's like it's almost impossible to Bill say. Bill Self on the outside of that top five looking in. 
Bill Self is is a great coach. I think he's unreal. They yeah. have him at six, which obviously there's no slap. I mean, to win six. nine consecutive titles in a row, I don't care what conference it's in, is really good. You always got to look at these lists and wonder, like, what was, what's the premise or what? how are they looking at this thing? Are they saying right. these are the best coaches now? Well, the premise that we looked at last time for NBA coaches was ridiculous, but this one seems to be, you know, more realistic. Well, yeah, the one we looked at was who is the best at preparing their guys in the NBA. Right. I think we could have made a better list just sitting here thinking about it for two minutes. But And then, you know, at one point I know CBS Sports did a thing where, you know, if you were going to start your college program today, who would you want your coach? And, the, and then this just seems to be a – a list of the of uh, the top fifty coaches. I don't know right. what. And if to me, if you have a list of the top fifty coaches right now, and you're just you're encompassing everything, I don't know how Coach K is not number one. Coach K would be really tough to beat. And you think about it, the guy. Four. Yeah, I would. I would definitely put him in the top three for sure. No doubt about it. Probably, probably number one. I mean, Billy Donovan is really good, but Coach K is is. What does he have the most wins now? Is that what he's, he's got the oh, most, yeah. the winningest yeah. coach in the, the NCAA? And Duke has won, sure Duke hasn't won the championship lately, but he has. You know they get to the tournament every year. They're ACC monsters in a tough conference basketball wise. Yeah, if you want to check out this list, it's posted on KentuckySports.co. And uh, Sean Miller, another guy who's dropped, he's out of the top ten. I listen. Kevin Ollie did a great job with this UConn team. Yeah, he won the national championship this year. There's no way I'm taking Kevin Ollie if, as a coach over Sean on over Sean Miller, and uh, well, one year doesn't it define a a coach. No, and then so. of course there's one name missing from this top fifty list. Really? Who's okay. that? Tubby Smith? No, Tubby's there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're always on a Tubby kick, so it wasn't Tubby's true. there. Tom Crean is not. He's not listed, on the top fifty. Not listed, and I wonder how. Indiana fans feel about that. Oh, I mean, the, you've got some guys on here like the Bobby Rick Bird Knight from Belmont, uh, you know, Bob Hoffman from Mercer, pulling off the upset off Duke. You know, mm. you got Randy Bennett from St. Mary's. I mean, you got some. How, how can you not have, you Tom, not have Crean Tom Crean on there? Well, I mean, I, there's some question marks on how good of a coach Tom Crean really is. Yeah, I suppose so. But Tom Crean has certainly did. A, I mean, Indiana was in the dumps when he came. Let's let's just put it that way. And they they did they didn't do great, but they, at least they went to the Sweet Sixteen tw- two years in a row. Well, I mean, they did. I mean, then uh, and was you know the overall number one seed, or were they number one overall? Number, no, they were like the country. number three or four. I think. But they uh, yeah, they were number one seed. When you you do you got to take into consideration that Tom Crean cleared house. I mean, got rid of everyone. Dressed a manager and a baseball player that first year just to make <laughs> enough players to, to, to compete. And he built it totally from scratch. He rebuilt yeah. it from scratch. Got those guys back to where they were really competitive uh, with Zeller and Oladipo and all those guys. Yeah. And then I think the the issue became – and let's let's also look at this. He's had uh, he's had guys in the McDonald's All-American game the last three years mm-hmm. with, with, with Noah Vonley and Yogi and, sure. and Cody Zeller. He's had guys getting. He's had three guys picking the lottery in the last two years. Mm. He he's so there's some things going on, but it's not correlating to wins on the basketball court. And and now you're starting to see a little mismanagement of the roster. I think you know, and just making sure that all the the critical spots have been are filled. Uh, and they just lost Peter Jerkin, who was a big man, uh, transferred uh, out of IU. So. Mm. 
We'll see. I don't know. I mean, he he's definitely got a year this year where he is on the hot. He seat. He is on the hot seat. He's got to come up with something. They last year they had games where they looked like they were really good, where Yogi just took it over. Um, but then they had games where they looked awful, where they just really yeah. struggled to score. So, yeah, I don't. I I don't think Tom Crean. I think Tom Crean is a great coach. I mean, he really rebuilt the program. Almost punched Kelvin <laughs> Sampson in the face in that one game, that Michigan game. I think he refused to shake his hand or something. It became so. It was rather humorous though. Uh so he's a really passionate coach, and uh, you know, I think that he just. We'll see what happens. I don't know if it was just a one-time rebuilding thing or what, but I think he definitely could go somewhere and, and coach. Maybe he's just a rebuilding coach. I don't know. So, so let's go back to this list then. Okay. Who would your top five coaches be? I th- I definitely take Coach K at number one, like you said. It's hard to it's hard to argue against Coach K. I mean, like you said, number one coach of all time as far as wins. Um, so many NCAA tournaments, a lot of victories for Duke. What do they who win six titles with Duke? Is that right? Maybe no, well he four? hasn't won six with Duke. I think he's got four. Four. Uh, six titles Duke has all together. Oh, maybe, yeah, but, but no, he's probably got them all. He might have six titles with Duke. Okay, that's yeah. that's pretty crazy. I'll check on that. Yeah, but, I don't know. He's won a lot. Um, you know, I'd have to go with uh with him on that, and then um, you know, I'd put um, Calipari and Donovan in the top five as well. Um. Coach K does have four national titles, and that's four. all that Duke has. Four. Okay, so my my apologies. I couldn't remember exactly how many he had. Yeah, he had a couple with Leitner, I think, and then he had a couple, uh, two others spread out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Coach K definitely number one, I'd say. I think I'd put Bill Self in that top five. So who well. do you take out of the top five? So you got you you just said that Donovan Calipari, Self, Self Coach K, who's your fifth one? Who's my fifth one? That's 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 a tough fifth one. Uh, I don't know who do they originally have in the top five. Their top five was Donovan, Calipari, Izzo, Coach K, and Rick Pitino. Yeah, so I, Izzo and Pitino are the two you don't have in there. Okay, I think I'd put I'd, I'd put Pitino. I think over Izzo in there. Wow. See, I. I mean, Izzo is really good. He just hasn't won a lot of national titles. He's got I mean, the one. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to say. Yeah, he's a top five coach, and he's only won one national title. I don't know. It just seems. Yeah, I don't know if you can necessarily look at national titles. I mean, so I like. I, I know. I'm saying not I, saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's tough. It's tough. Billy Donovan would not be in my top five. Yeah, that, okay. That's the guy I would take out. Actually, and yeah, I, I mean, and I'd even you don't think take from Sean a Miller. pure pure coaching point. I mean, he takes guys that don't have the most talent, and I mean. Three elite eights in a row of uh, final four, two national championships. I mean, those guys, uh, none of them got drafted. He's got four. Yeah, I mean that's. But that none mean, of them got they drafted. They were good college players. So let's not like again that good college players don't always get drafted. No, I know. I'm just saying that none. I don't know. I just didn't see any superstars on this Florida team. I mean, they had guys who were good, but they didn't have like a superstar on the team. Well, at the same time, he had two guys that are on this team: Casey Hill and uh, and uh, and Walker. Who were top seven high school recruits? Yeah, that everyone thought that, especially Walker, was going to be a, a one and done. And those guys don't even haven't developed into anything. So That's I don't true. know. I I, I could, think yeah. I don't know. You, I think you, that you make uh, a point. I think my number one would be Coach K. Yeah. I think my number two would be Bill Self. Okay, Bill Self, solid. Yeah. I think three would be Izzo. And then four would be Patino, and five would be Cal. Okay, so we ju- we disagree on one of the top five. All right, and then I think uh, six for me would be would be Sean Miller, and seven would probably be Billy Donovan. 
I mean, it's tough to argue the top five. I mean, it it is a tough argument. I just think that Donovan takes players that, uh, you know, don't get as much recognition and, and makes a good team. I think he, he builds a really good team chemistry, which I think goes a lot into coaching. I would go with that if he's been consistent with it. And I just don't think he's been the most consistent out of that bunch. I mean, Izzo is always in the tournament. I mean, yeah, but Izzo hasn't made the Elite Eight three times in a row, Final Four of the last year. It's been a while since Izzo's teams have done, um, you know, I think extremely well. Uh, I can't remember. Well, When's the last had... time they went to a Final Four in Michigan State? The last time they went to a Final Four, let's see. They won the Big Ten in 2012 and 2010. They've yep. been to the regional championship uh, 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they didn't say, why does it not say, let's see. Two NCAA titles, eight Elite Eights. For some reason, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't list the Final Four. Well, maybe you know what it is. I don't think he's ever gone to the Final Four and not made it to the championship game. Okay, well, when's the last time they went to the championship game? 2009. Okay, so, I mean, it, it hasn't been that long. But it's been yeah. It's been a while. That's that's my point a little bit on that. And I love Tom Izzo. He's a, he's a great coach. And he broke my heart when he beat uh, he beat Kentucky that one year. It uh, That overtime game that was a thriller that sometimes people still talk about. He did break my heart that game. That game, I was I was soul crushed to put it the least. So well, and let's he went to he's been to the Sweet Sixteen six out of the last seven years. That's pretty consistent. That that is very consistent. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, I mean Izzo to be. Is, I mean, you could as certainly a make that. Especially he's up there. You could you could he, certainly make that argument. He certainly. gets hurt on the recruiting side. And, yeah, and then uh, you I mean, yeah, you could certainly make that argument for sure. So that would be that would be my group, and and I could see putting Patino maybe ahead of Izzo. And putting Patino at three, mm-hmm. um, but you talk about to me that's Patino's the guy who. Well, Patino, this the is most out of his guys. This is his first. Yeah, this is his first year he lost in the Sweet Sixteen. It, going into that game, I was scared because you know when you have those statistics of never having lost in the Sweet Sixteen, you're like, oh boy. But yeah. then somehow he lost again, and so somehow he lost, he lost, lost. For, for the first time. First time. So, and that's what you guys say if you're a UK fan. Do you put Cal ahead of Patino because when head to head? Especially recently, Cal's owned Rick Pitino, so yep. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think that a lot of people make fun of Cal's coaching, but he really, I think in big games, he shows what adjustment he did. I did play-by-play for the Kansas State versus Kentucky game, and there was a point in the game where Kansas State had cut us to two. He made some big-time adjustments to kind of give, make sure Kentucky didn't lose in that first, well, I call it the first round, technically it's right. the second round. Right. But, you, you know, I think that he's so underrated as a head coach. I think that it's really hard to take young guys and try to coach them that are really talented. And I think he does an excellent job of doing I, I that. I totally agree. I totally agree. So we're going to get to our final break. We'll be right back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, JT, we're back here on a short segment, final segment. 
I was just checking out the uh, 2014 preseason football power index on ESPN. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised by the fact that – we talking about college or NBA? Col- college, college, okay. college football. Okay. And NFL is what football is, not the NBA. But that's right. Sorry, <laughs> did I say that? Yes. Oh man, I see. I do. Uh, I, you do drugs, Amy? No, right. no. I just got. Uh, <laughs> I got back from Cincinnati last night, so my head's still kind of. Uh, I went back home to the fourth, and then my head's still kind of readjusting from you know work and all that. So do apologize for. No problem. I'm just messing with you. Okay. So. So yeah. So uh, ten ten of the top twenty five teams reside in the SEC. <laughs> no Another, surprise there. Another good year. Uh, Although the SEC streak was broken last year, which gives some fans some hope. Yeah, without a doubt. But I, the thing that really kind of surprised me was, uh, so I'm looking at, okay, you know, we want to know where, where the local schools rate. You know, right. how much do you, do does this football power index to think that well, Louisville is going to drop? Because you know, without having Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy killed Miami. That was a great game. I so enjoyed watching it. And I think they fun. dropped him a little too far. Yeah, they dropped him to fifty. Fifty? Yeah. You gotta be kidding me. No. I mean, I know Bobby Petrino hasn't been a good boy, but still, you know. Well, from an offensive standpoint, he's gonna put up some numbers. So, was, and actually, yeah. they got him behind, well behind Indiana. Indiana's thirty eighth. Indy, they're they're behind Indiana. Now, Indiana scores. I mean, they really score at a high level. They just they don't they stop do, anybody. but they do. Yeah, exactly. Indiana's uh, like. If they get to a bowl, they win. They're like a six-game bowl win team. They're not like a Louisville that only loses one or two games, maybe three games a year. So, so I guess with the uh, you know going to the ACC schedule, losing Teddy Bridgewater, this uh, football power index sure. on ESPN does not think highly of what Louisville's well, potential could be for this year. Even more surprisingly to me is where Kentucky is. Where is Kentucky? Where do you think Kentucky would be? I don't and 128 know. college football teams. Kentucky was really bad last year, although they had they did have some good recruits. So I don't think they'd be in the top 50. No, I, no, definitely not in the top 50. But, you know, if Louisville's 50, you would think that Louisville going into the next year is going to be better than Kentucky. Sure. I guess what I was surprised is how narrow the gap is between Kentucky and Louisville. Really? I would think maybe Kentucky would be, you know, 75th maybe. 54th. 54, okay. So Louisville probably a little too low. Kentucky maybe a little too, too high. high. yeah. But if this is even close and you got Louisville at 50 and Kentucky at 54, mm-hmm. that last game of the year could be a lot of fun. Yeah, it could be. And if you think about the recruiting that Kentucky has done in football after the Joker, they call Mr. Joke, you know, uh, Kentucky looks like they could be on the rise with the recruiting that they have had. I mean, just phenomenal recruiting for the type of program that they are. And he's continuing to get it done. I mean, this is uh, it's unbelievable that Stoops is able to get, continue to get this done, including you know grabbing two big recruits last weekend. Yeah. And to see that right now, according to 24-7 Sports, I haven't pulled up, Kentucky's got for not this year but for the 2015 class, Kentucky's got the – 24th best recruiting class in the nation. How do you do that with the football program that they have had? I mean, Kentucky's football program has been abysmal at times. Oh, it's it's been beyond abysmal. I mean, yeah. It's been- I mean, how do you do that recruiting? I know I have to tell you this, this story because it's kind of funny, but when Kansas State basketball recruits players, they pick them up at the KC airport, which is about two hours away. So what they tell you is they hope that the recruit falls asleep until you get to Manhattan because there's literally almost nothing between Kansas City and Manhattan in Kansas. 
And of course, you don't have that problem in Kentucky, but still, I just thought that story. Well, I mean, we were they, talking about recruiting. I just thought that was a funny recruiting story. So, and so, and then so, Kentucky's recruiting class last year was the twenty second best in, in in college football. Right. This one that they are putting together right now currently is ranked twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. He's continuing to go out and get four star kids. It's it's amazing that uh, I think the talent level gap is definitely narrowed. I, and I just. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see, you know, if if Kentucky can put it together, but I'm still expecting. Right. If Kentucky's got a, a, do you an think, outside chance of being bowl eligible this year. Yeah. But I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm really thinking four or five wins. Really I, that's I was thinking four wins myself, but uh, we'll see. They'll eventually get to the Rich Brooks level and maybe hope, uh, maybe somehow find a way to do something. Well, this, in the I think he's putting together more talent. Yeah. Than they ever the had world, at Rich Brooks. Rich Brooks was just a good coach. So, you know, right now the overall number one uh, for the power index is is Florida State. Yeah. You know, well, you know whether, if they repeat or not, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Rich so. Rich Brooks almost had that one really good year where they beat LSU, which ended up winning the championship that year, but then they got injured so much. But do you think that Kentucky will get back to that level, that team that you could see going oh, yeah. places? I, mean, they, I think they're going they're gonna to exceed that, actually. What, what about uh, – how do you think Louisville's going to do in that ACC – you know, I don't think the ACC is like we talked about. It. It's a good football conference. It's right. not a you know, not a phenomenal. You get Florida State, who's going to be good, right for sure this well, year. Yeah, Clemson uh, lost a lot, and I, I think knowing where they're going to be, who knows? You know, right. right now they've got them at number fifteen. I think they're probably a top twenty team. Um, Clemson tends not to be as good at the end of the year as they are at the beginning of the year. Right. So uh, you know. Louisville, to me, the the and the rest of the the rest of that conference, the middle of it, the North Carolina, the Miami, the Virginia right. Tech, those I think are, Louisville fits right in there with those guys, and I think they fit right in there with Clemson. So it's like, oh, well, they're better I, than the middle of the pack, that's yeah, for sure. So I think they're in a a really yeah. good spot. Well, um, the thing that's really hurt Louisville fans, I think, in football is that they've been so close to getting to the national championship. You talk about Brian Brom's junior year; they hadn't lost that game. To Rutgers, to Rutgers, in which Rutgers came back, they would have been in the national championship if they potentially. They, could have been. they potentially could have been in the national. Well, I don't think they were would have been the only no loss. Well, the only no loss team they would have had to put them in. Yeah, but they would also, you know, do you take a one loss SEC team over that? You know, I think you have to. You have to give it to a no I don't loss know. team. I mean, they don't, but they don't always follow that. They they don't, but they should. So, uh, but then uh, let's see. And then this year, they if they had lost to UCF, they could have potentially been in as well. So I think you're going to see Louisville. Uh, obviously, that first game against Miami, the blackout. Bob Petrino announced they're going to have a blackout. Is extremely important. Yeah. Uh, to get them off to the right right step, they get off to the right. Is that step. their first game in the That's AC? That's funny because the they year. just crushed Miami in the yeah in the bowl game. But you got to like how Al Gold uh, Golden is taking this program that went from everything to nothing and kind of slowly starting to build it up again. So they go they go with that first game of the year against Miami here, the blackout. Right. Then they've got, you know, some games that they shouldn't have any trouble with. You know, they've got three ACC opponents that would be on the bottom half with Virginia, Wake Forest, and Syracuse. They play Florida International. Uh, they play Murray State. Yeah. Uh, they go into that game against Clemson. To me, this is going to be the game – that's the Louisville game. fans that they got to figure out. They're going to know what they're made of. Right. They had Clemson right in the middle of October. Both of they those. They win te- that game against Clemson. Yeah. You know. Then they got a, a, a oh, which is on the road, by the way. They come home to play NC State, which is a, a, another opponent that you know they should handle, but it's, it's it's definitely not you know what they were used to playing in the AAC. Right. It's a step up. Then they got Florida State coming in on that Tuesday. That's going to be the game right there. 
And you finish up with Florida State, at Boston College, at Notre Dame, and then UK. Yeah. So. Florida State and Clemson are obviously the toughest on the chopping block. Like, yeah, but I mean, I think again, with Notre Dame being close, Notre Dame's usually a pretty good team. Yeah, they they have a little bit of a football tradition in Notre Dame. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, talking Joe players, Montana, perhaps you know, uh, some other players. Yeah, yeah they've got uh, a little bit. That's my uh, absolute favorite place to go watch a college football game. So, I, yeah, it, we've we've been there. Yeah, I have a, a buddy who got on scholarship, and he's a he graduated in Notre Dame. So yeah, it's a. Um, good, good program for sure, academically and football wise. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's the there's that's what's you know going yeah. on today. Yeah, in football, and uh, I'm looking. Uh, you know, Kentucky again. We're gonna we're gonna start getting more and more into the football scene here as we as we get closer to it. It's I'm, really not that far away. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how Louisville's quarterback plays. Uh, he didn't look too bad when he did play, uh, from my memory of last year. I mean, Will I'll, Gardner. Yeah, yeah. Will Gardner is is not a bad quarterback. He's not Teddy Bridgewater, but you know uh, what though? I think anybody who under the Teddy under uh, Bobby Petrino can can it, you know he's, he's such a much good guy. more of an emphasis yeah. on quarterbacks than um, than Charlie Strong. Let's see was, if he so. gets Will Gardner into the pros. Now, now I'm worried about Charlie Strong going to Texas because uh, Kansas State always beats Texas in football most of the time, and now we have to play against Charlie Strong. Well, so. I don't know if Charlie Strong's making the biggest impact in Texas right now. He's getting his butt kicked on the recruiting trail. A lot of the alumni are not very happy with. I don't uh, know why Charlie Strong is a fantastic coach. I don't. He's, but he's not. I guess he's not presenting himself very well, and that's the well, that's the problem. He's got to be able to handle the speaking. Engagement. It is. I don't want to say anything, but it is Texas, and Charlie Strong is. You know, Charlie Strong. But that's going to be something for us to watch as the college football season grows near. Uh, we will catch up with you guys next week. Um, this is Mike Indafo. Thanks, JT, for joining me. Thank you, We'll be sir. back on the weekend sports bus.